This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Foot passengers have been in lines that have been uh, snaked around the corner, so pretty frustrated to be honest. Bad day for BC Ferries, the weather and mechanical issues that caused chaos at terminals. I can tell you that it was expressed to me by several of the officers here on scene how frustrated they are. Candid talk from a veteran Mountie about the violence gripping Surrey. Plus, Whitecaps walk out while loyal fans staged a protest at today's game. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. It has been a frustrating day for anyone trying to catch a ferry to and from Tawasan. A windstorm on top of problems with two different vessels forcing the cancellation of sailings for most of the day. Tanya Beja has the latest. When you're trying to catch a ferry and see moves like these, Chances are you will be waiting. The wind causing delays and several cancellations between Tawasson and Swartz Bay Saturday. Been waiting here since nine. Foot passengers have been in lines that have been uh, snaked around the corner, so pretty frustrated to be honest. There's not very much accountability with telling us updates or what's going on even. Wind gusts of between 60 to 80 kilometers an hour whipped across the Strait of Georgia, creating chaos for morning commuters. The spirit of BC was damaged while attempting to dock. The coastal renaissance temporarily forced to stay put. That vessel had a mechanical um, issue that limited the sort of winds that it could travel in and the winds got too high for it to sail safely. A little stress for the morning, but what can you do? You can't, can't help mother nature. Travelers headed to the lower mainland aboard the Queen of New Westminster found themselves turning back to Swartz Bay. We got about, I would say, almost halfway through the open water where they decided to turn around saying it was too dangerous. People needed to go and check their parking brakes because their cars were actually moving around. With the wind easing by mid-afternoon, BC Ferries is now getting vessels back on track. We'll have a look at the travel advisory section of our website, bcferries.com, as the schedule has been modified for this afternoon and evening. Hopefully people will make it to where they need to be. Tanya Beja, Global News. And with those powerful gusts comes power outages. BC Hydro crews deployed today after countless trees and branches came crashing down onto power lines. Parts of Metro Vancouver under a special weather statement about the wind, but it appears the bulk of those without electricity were on Vancouver Island. So strong winds left about 7,000 customers without power at the peak of today's storm. Um, we did see a number of customers out on Vancouver Island, in and around Nanaimo and Courtney, and there were a few isolated outages here in the lower mainland as well. And in the waters off Nanaimo, people on board a sailboat had to be rescued after the wind blew them too close to shore near Shack Island. A Nanaimo search and rescue team was able to tow them to safety without any visible damage to that vessel. High winds also led to the closure of the Stanley Park seawall between 3rd Beach and the Lionsgate Bridge. 
At Sunset Beach, pounding waves crashed onto shore. Not too many sailors venturing out in this weather this morning. The winds were so strong, a couple of sailboats ended up on the rocks. Elsewhere in the province, a late spring snowfall was the issue today. People in parts of the interior, including Merritt, waking up to snow falling in their community. A global viewer in Quinell also noting the snowfall in her neighborhood after she removed the snow tires from her vehicle. Parts of the Caribou, Peace Region and Kootenays also seeing snow this weekend. And snowfall overnight and into this morning causing trouble for drivers on mountain passes, including on the Coquihalla Highway. A number of crashes were reported along the route because of the poor conditions. Snow also fell through Rogers Pass with expected, expected accumulations of up to 10 centimeters. And for more now on just how windy and snowy it got, let's check in with meteorologist Yvonne Shell. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, Jordan, and good evening, everyone. Uh, the latest system that worked its way in across the province, bringing a mixed bag, depending on where you were. The winds across the south coast, a peak out of the airport up to 74 kilometers per hour. Abbotsford into the valley, just over 50, and Nanaimo clocking over 60. It'll still be very windy this evening, 30 for most areas, but for the Strait of Georgia, still up to 50. It is going to ease off late this evening, and and much calmer for tomorrow. Now, here's a look at this afternoon. We saw a cell just pop up and with it, very active weather. There was the risk of a thunderstorm. We saw reports of hail and this great video that was sent in from Maple Ridge showing us the hail. Reports in Pitt Meadows, Langley and a few other spots and also Roger and Chilliwack saying that he had ice pellets moving or changing over to wet snow and areas near Hope today. We did see snow. It was just around the noon hour for two hours. It was light snowfall. However, it has dried up but we are still tracking a bit of snow if you're heading along the mountain passes i'll have more on that in the much calmer day that we're anticipating for our sunday jordan all right thanks yvonne to breaking news out of seattle tonight where four people have died after a crane collapsed and landed on a busy road crushing five vehicles it happened around 3:30 this afternoon on mercer street near i-5 seattle's fire chief says two crane operators and two people in cars below were killed Three others, including a 25-year-old mother and her baby, have been hospitalized. Their injuries are not considered life-threatening. Witnesses say strong winds were blowing at the time the crane broke in half and fell. Now to the growing number of shootings across Metro Vancouver, especially in Surrey. The latest example happening Friday in the Fraser Heights neighborhood. A man gunned down just after 5 p.m., the 12th shooting in the city so far this year. As Julia Foy reports, a veteran RCMP officer is now speaking candidly about how gun violence is plaguing Surrey. I'm not surprised at all and I won't be surprised because it's going to happen in future as well. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team is tight-lipped over the latest shooting death in Surrey. Just after 5 Friday afternoon, police were called to a quiet neighbourhood near 176th and Abbey Drive in Fraser Heights. A young man was found critically wounded, lying along the boulevard of a dead-end street. The third shooting death in the city in April. We're trying everything we can to put a stop and a slowdown to this violent activity. We're regularly looking at our crime stats, we're regularly looking at uh, um, where the bulk of the crime is and we're redirecting our officers to those areas. Gurpreet Singh Sahoda, who created the anti-crime group Wake Up Surrey, says it's not enough and he supports changing to a municipal police model. I'm in favour of city police. Why? Because we have to try something different. 
We tried RCMP, we failed. And when we look up to the Vancouver police, we look up to the Delta police, they are doing fine. Sahoda says compared to Vancouver, Surrey has 400 fewer officers on the ground. Neighbors close to the crime scene are shaken by the violence. It's really hard, especially when you have teenagers. Think about something like this happening. Short of having somebody on every corner, it's pretty difficult for any police department in this country or in North America to, to identify where someone's going to go, some dark corner of this very large community, and to commit a horrific act such as a homicide. Police are hoping someone who cares about the young man who was murdered will help them find his killer. It doesn't matter who he is. A life lost and it's a sad and it shouldn't happening. Julia Foy, Global News. A celebration of life was held in Salmon Arm today for a church elder fatally shot during Sunday service two weeks ago. And as Kristen Robinson reports in this Global News exclusive, a church teacher who survived the shooting was among those paying tribute to Gordon Parmenter. The church shooting survivor among the hundreds coming together in Salmon Arm to remember an elder killed in his place of worship. Church family. 78-year-old Gordon Parmenter was gunned down inside the Salmon Arm Church of Christ on April 14th when a man barged in with an assault-style rifle. Church teacher Paul Durkach was attending to a dying Parmenter when the gunman returned and shot him in the leg. It's been pretty painful. After 10 days in hospital, Durkach is on the mend and paying tribute to Parmenter. He's very caring and for... He kind of took me under his wing, too, when I moved here years ago, and uh, pretty close. Parmenter described as an amazing and caring man who was also a father and foster parent. His influence felt across the small shoe swap community of 17,000. Peggy and Gordon were foster parents for as long as I remember, and uh Many kids, kids that nobody else would take in, and, and he, they cared for them so well. He means a lot to me because I, I had never had that before, meeting him. I didn't know that father figures could be like that, and he's just an awesome man. He touched many people's hearts. Durkatch is back at home. His leg is healing well, and he's expected to make a full recovery. It's been going really well. I'm really pleased. It's, uh, I was really pleased that the doctor was able to do such a great job. 25-year-old Matrix Savage Gathergood is charged with first-degree murder and aggravated assault in connection with the tragedy that shattered the peace, but not the spirit, of Salmon Arm. I know um, there's a lot of people that have strong faith in God here, and and it's really, uh, when something like this happens, it sure came out. There's a lot of love he left behind, but we're really going to miss him. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The Fraser Health Authority has started holding a series of immunization clinics across the Lower Mainland in order to combat the measles outbreak. This catch-up clinic in Cloverdale was one of three being held today after nearly 30 cases of measles have been identified in B.C. so far this year. The measles immunization catch-up program runs until June. While some have called for mandatory vaccinations for children attending public schools, Fraser Health is relying on education to remind families about the importance of vaccinations.
Our goal is just to provide people with as many opportunities as possible to become immunized, whether that's through school clinics, community clinics, or community vaccine providers, including pharmacists and family physicians. The federal and provincial governments have signed an agreement with First Nations groups in B.C. to help improve emergency services in their communities in the event of a disaster. Since several First Nations live in remote areas where floods, landslides and windstorms have had a devastating impact, the agreement today is meant to ensure that everyone has access to quicker and more reliable emergency services. You know, the worst is yet to come. And... um I'm, I'm so happy that we're making this formal commitment uh, to work together to adopt a set of principles and understanding and uh, based on mutual respect. Loyal Whitecaps fans once again showed their displeasure with how the team is dealing with serious allegations of abuse made by women who used to play for the female squad. The Southsiders walked out of another game today despite speaking directly with the team's co-owner. Global's Paul Johnson has the latest. 35 minutes into the Whitecaps game against the Philadelphia Union Saturday, there's a stream of fans leaving their seats and headed for the concourse. This is not a beer break, but a remarkable demonstration by fans against the managers of the very team they support. We hope that our repeated action will be supported by as many if not more people now that there's more awareness of the issue. Paul Suburban Herzog is the superfan turned activist who's the public face of this movement, composed of fans who were upset over the front office's handling of harassment and abuse allegations made by members of Whitecaps women's teams in 2008 against a Whitecaps coach. They say they've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes, which I'm sure they have been. Before Saturday's kickoff, Suburban Herzog got a meeting with team management. While they liked what he heard, the decision was to press on with the protest until they see the results they want. Specifically, public recognition of the seriousness of the charges. So far, the Whitecaps have issued this lawyerly statement that the demonstrators think is inadequate. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to change the way that they've been, um, I guess, commenting publicly on this uh, situation. Whitecaps management didn't respond to a request from Global News Saturday. For a sport that appeals heavily to women and girls, a fan insurrection over the handling of abuse allegations would appear to be a unique public relations challenge. Paul Johnson, Global News. Welcome back. A strange story out of a Vancouver theft that's made its way to Edmonton. The owners of Toronto's Skull Store have been taking their rare oddities on tour across Canada. They were in Vancouver last weekend for a tattoo convention when their truck was broken into. Thieves made off with taxidermied animals, including a two-headed cow and jewel-encrusted goat skull. Thousands of dollars of items were stolen. The store owner continued his tour and brought what was left to Edmonton's Tattoo and Arts Festival this weekend, but says many of the rare pieces are irreplaceable. I should have had a lot more stuff to show. Actually, the two-headed crow, usually that I have on display, that got stolen. We had little two-headed ducklings that usually draws a lot of attention. Yeah, all that stuff got stolen as well. And all my cards too, so I had to order new cards right away for the show. So yeah, it was pretty intense. 
Vancouver police say they are investigating. No arrests have been made. An emotional homecoming today for one of the survivors of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash who moved back into a newly renovated wheelchair-accessible home. As Carolyn Curry de Castillo reports, his family says they will now be able to start to heal. So much has changed since the Strasniewski family last pulled into this driveway together. This is their first time back in their Airdrie home as a family since the bus crash last April that left Ryan paralyzed from the chest down. I'm pretty excited to be back and, um, you know, in a different situation, you know, I'm surrounded by family and I know my friends will be over all the time. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait. The entire home was gutted in this huge project. An elevator now connects the garage to Ryan's basement apartment. The living area has been renovated from the ground up to accommodate Ryan's needs. Everything has just been amazing. I mean, you saw my mom with the tears going on, so, um, you know, just her reaction kind of shows what this house is like, and it's like a whole new house. The main floor is now barrier-free with everything designed to accommodate wheelchair access. It's an emotional time for Ryan's mom as she tours the house with her husband and four kids. It's wonderful to be back home, and Ryan's home with us, and that's the important thing. For Ryan, this means having a place to be close to family, but also a home for himself. Uh, I think it's just, you know, open and more, it gives me more independence, you know, with the laundry room and, you know, the open bedroom and even controls here. Like, I can do it all on my own. I don't have to rely on other people. So, I mean, everything has just been amazing. Much of the project from the elevator to the furniture has been donated by Southern Alberta businesses. He was so happy. It was an absolute genuine happiness for him, I think. Like, just genuine smile. And I think he felt like there was a weight lifted off of him. The Strasniskis have been living in hotels since last summer. It's been a whirlwind of physiotherapy, hospital visits, and adjustment. But having a place to call home means being able to start a new chapter. Nothing's perfect, but... We are, we're home and, and now we can start, maybe now we can start to heal, I think. I, I don't think we were healing before. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. Some tense moments in Victoria last night before a young cougar was captured. Victoria firefighters sharing this video of the big cat after it was treed and tranquilized. Police warned the public earlier in the day about a cougar on the loose in the Gorge Road area. Emergency responders worked together to help conservation officers lower the animal from the tree along the Gorge Waterway. The cougar was assessed by conservation officers and its ear tagged for future tracking. The cat was in good health and will be relocated back to the wild. So it all ends well there. And remember, maybe it was like 20 years ago, a cougar in Victoria actually ended up in the parkade of the Empress Hotel. Ooh. It's one of those famous stories. So, <laughs> But uh, no trouble there. That's good no. to see that ended well. Yvonne and Barry join us now. And we had just about every type of weather on the south coast A mixed coast today. bag. Really yeah. depend on where you were across Metro Vancouver and much of the south coast and pushing in towards the interior, especially this morning seeing some snow so late in the season. But it is spring and it is our transition season. So this can happen for this time of the year. A quick glance at some of the numbers and what we're seeing out there. So sustained wind still at the airport at 35, but we're seeing gusts of just over 50 kilometers per hour areas near Abbotsford at 30 and Tofino right now still 
gusting a gust of about 48 kilometers per hour. Still windy for a few more hours, especially if you're out and about and for areas that are close to the water. A nice improvement will be on the way. We'll talk about the return or we will see um, calmer conditions for tomorrow on how long it will last. Come out. So Sunday's the better day. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Good to hear. Thanks so much. hail out in uh, Langley. Yes. Yeah, tough Soft hail. Conditions. It wasn't like really hard. It was melting as it was hitting. And a lot of people writing me in now yes. saying it looked like snow, all the hail out on the yeah, ground. Yeah, it, it was cool. Hopefully but we could talk about that. weather all day. Let's talk we about sure sports. We sure could. Sports, <laughs> lots happening. Yeah, Whitecaps uh, just kind of can't get that traction for the season. Had a game, another one in hand and gave up another goal and ended up drawing Philly. So we'll have highlights of that. And a look back at the Giants who are going to the Western Hockey League Championship after beating Spokane last night. So we do have one team in Vancouver that's having some success, <laughs> which is good. you got to start somewhere. Another anxious weekend for flooded communities in eastern Canada. More rain is in the forecast for already hard-hit regions stretching from Ontario to New Brunswick. As Global's David Aiken reports, affected residents are now preparing for even higher water levels. For days now, Stephen Wood has piled sandbag after sandbag around his Ottawa River home. So far, the home is dry inside, but Wood knows more water is on the way. Our, our understanding is that we might expect another 22 inches. So uh, we've got that height. We've got some backup in, in case we need to uh, build it up some more. So now we're just watching for potential breaches. The swollen Ottawa River drains an enormous watershed, nearly the size of France. It takes in all the rivers and streams on both its Ontario and Quebec banks, a 600-kilometer stretch from Temiskaming to Montreal. Put on the ground. At a community centre near Wood's house, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was briefed Saturday morning on the situation. And then he and his sons pitched in to help fill sandbags. Indeed, volunteers from across the greater Ottawa area showed up to help their neighbours. I want to do help my community. I think it's really important that we get out and do what we can to help those that uh, are in this circumstance where they don't have a home, a dry home. From nearby CFB Petawawa, more than 550 Canadian Forces soldiers have rolled in to pitch in. My soldiers are filling sandbags, something we're, we're very good at, uh, something that we're trained to do. So we Downstream, Quebec's transport department closed a heavily used bridge onto the island of Montreal. The Gallipo Bridge is a western access point to Montreal along Highway 20. Quebec authorities also continue to keep a close eye on a dam on the Riviere Rouge. That's midway between Ottawa and Montreal. Hydro-Quebec had worried the Chute Bell Dam might fail. But so far, though it's buried underwater, the dam is holding. Meanwhile, in New Brunswick, the worst may be over, though there is still danger. The flooded St. John River appears to have peaked between Fredericton and the city of St. John. But new risks have emerged in the form of high winds and chunks of ice that may flow downriver. Now, looking ahead, the Ottawa and Montreal areas are going to start to get a break from the weather. The rain, the snow, the precipitation is going to end Saturday, and then there's a few days of dry. Not so for New Brunswick. The New Brunswick forecast has rain, even thunder showers on Saturday, and more rain coming on Sunday before New Brunswick will get its first few days to dry out. David Aiken, Global News, Constance Bay, Ontario. A different concern in parts of Saskatchewan where it is incredibly dry right now. So far, it is the driest April on record. Saskatoon has had less than half a millimeter of rain this month, well below the city's average of 21. This comes on the heels of Saskatoon's eighth driest March in history. The lack of rain in 
is in part is part of the reason rather fire bans are in place in more than 120 communities across the province. Security camera footage has been released from Colombo's Kingsbury Hotel in Sri Lanka showing the suicide bomber entering the hotel on Easter Sunday. The video shows the man going to the front desk and heading up to a room before the eventual blast. At least 250 people were killed in a series of coordinated attacks on six hotels and churches last Sunday. Catholic leaders have canceled Sunday Mass indefinitely across the country, and officials had urged Muslims to stay home from Friday prayers with fears of more attacks to come. Meantime, 15 people, including six children, are dead after an overnight gun battle on the east coast of Sri Lanka. A shootout between troops and suspected Islamist militants erupted in a town just south of one of the sites of the Easter Sunday blasts. As troops headed towards the safe house, three explosions were triggered and gunfire began. During the search operation, authorities found a stock of explosives and other raw materials used to manufacture bombs. In Southern California, a man walked into a synagogue outside San Diego and opened fire, killing a woman and sending three others to hospital. The sheriff's office says a suspect has been arrested. Tonight, investigators are still on the scene of a shooting which happened at a Southern California synagogue. The San Diego Sheriff's Office says it happened around 11.30 Pacific time at the Chabad of Poway Synagogue. It was an extremely chaotic scene uh, with people running everywhere when we got here. Investigators and witnesses say a gunman opened fire during a service. The nearby Palomar Medical Center confirms it is treating four patients in its trauma center and that all four were alive when they arrived at the hospital. But the city's mayor told MSNBC one person has been killed. I can only tell you that we have a fatality. I can also tell you that it was a hate crime. Deputies have taken one person into custody for questioning. We were able to detain one suspect at this time, one shooter. We're confident that there are no shooters that are outstanding. Frantic family members rushed to the scene when they got word of the shooting. Your husband, how's he doing? He's, he has very high, high blood pressure and he was shaking and I was very worried about him. The attack happened on the last day of the Jewish holiday of Passover and comes six months to the day after the attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. A gunman killed 11 people in that attack. Investigators are trying to figure out the motive for the shooting as police in cities around the country with Jewish communities and synagogues monitor the situation. Chris Pallone, NBC News. Professional mountain climbers installed synthetic waterproof tarps over the gutted exterior of Notre Dame Cathedral. This is authorities' race to prevent further damage ahead of storms that are rolling towards Paris. The looming bad weather threatens to further damage the 850-year-old cathedral after its roof was destroyed by fire earlier this month. Some of Notre Dame's remaining statues were removed by crane earlier this week. Parts of the cathedral, including its heavily damaged vaulted ceiling had already been soaked with water after firefighters desperately fought the blaze for more than 12 hours. In health matters, we all know breast milk is good for babies. Now we know why. Scientists from Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. use special MRIs to study the brains of premature babies who were fed mostly breast milk during the first month of life. They found that the baby's brains developed higher levels of substances that promote brain growth and development than formula-fed babies. 
And we've all heard the saying, happy wife, happy life, but a study has found that it may actually be happy wife, longer life. Dutch researchers followed about 4,400 American couples for eight years. Those who had a happy partner were less likely to suffer an early death compared to those with unhappy partners. Experts say people often mimic their spouse's behaviors, including diet and exercise, which has previously been shown to impact life satisfaction. Between just the three of them, they were able to sink enough hoops to raise $16,800. A grand total of $35,000 was raised for scholarships, basketball programs, and other initiatives. The Strathcona program is a year-round inner-city basketball program. Because of the Hoopathon, we're able to make basketball affordable and that no kid is turned away because of financial barriers and that. And the beauty of Strathcona basketball is we have no trials, there are no cuts, everyone plays, no one turned away. Let's check in with the mm-hmm. MVP of the global team now, Avon Shell, and you sank more hoops than that Galas guy, right? That's no, what I hear. No, he had his personal oh. best. We'll give that to him. But, uh, Jordan, we did manage to get sponsors of $400 per hoop, so thank you to everyone who supported the Global Beast team, and it was over 16000 for us. A very successful and fun event, helping hundreds of kids in East Vancouver. So thank you, everyone. Always a fun event to be a part of. All right, tracking the forecast. The active weather that we saw today, a mixed bag right across the board, but beautiful right now. We can look towards the west, seeing that sunshine and drier conditions. Uh, temperatures sitting closer to 12 or 13 still in the airport, but the winds sustain at over 30 kilometers per hour. Wind forecast putting it into play. So late this evening, the winds are going to ease off, but still over the next two to potentially four hours, the Strait of Georgia will still see the winds potentially up to 50 kilometers per hour. Satellite and radar, a nice clearing across the island and zooming, in, zooming out. The big weather picture still following some instability. If you're heading along the mountain passes, we've got the snow level hovering close to 1,000 metres, and with it this evening, still an additional 2 and up to 5 centimetres if you're travelling along the Kootenay and Rogers Pass, and then the snow is going to dissipate. It'll be a much drier day if you're planning on heading on all of the mountain passes for tomorrow. Future cast into play, a clearing. We can see that, a nice break. This will be in towards our Sunday morning and similar into early next week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, bright spots in the forecast with a weak ridge that is going to start to build in. Across the province for the piece, six, t- six is the high for tomorrow. The potential late Monday overnight to Tuesday, we'll be looking at light snowfall. White Horse up to 11 degrees, 14 for your Monday. And areas along the north coast, it's a partly cloudy sky up to 12 degrees, but very pleasant over the next few. Caribou in central interior, a 30% chance to see a light shower tomorrow. Columbia and Kootenai region will be a partly cloudy sky up to 12, 14 as the high leading into Tuesday. Tops in Okanagan, chilly overnight at the freezing mark and then bouncing up to 12. And most areas near Whistler, sunny over the next three days. Temperatures tomorrow very pleasant getting up to 11. The island at 15, so much calmer. The wind still this evening, especially near the strait, uh, will be up to 50 kilometers per hour. And then on Tuesday, bumping up to 17 degrees. So Metro Vancouver, third or up to 50. The winds late this evening will start to ease off. It'll dissipate now with that system pushing in towards the east. 14 as the high. Areas away from the water getting up to 17 and 18 degrees over the next two days. A beautiful start into next week. On a Wednesday, we could see start to see a change on the way, but it's likely late. And then on our Thursday, it'll be unsettled, but fantastic for a Sunday. Anywhere between 14 and 17 degrees. Jordan? Good to hear. Thanks, Yvonne. 
They've been standing for more than 55 years, but it only took seconds for two power plant towers in Massachusetts to come crashing down today. The two 150-meter-tall cooling towers from the state's last coal-fired power plant were reduced to rubble this morning in a controlled demolition. The plant had burned coal since 1963. It was closed two years ago as environmental groups pushed for cleaner sources of energy. The new owners of the property plan to turn the site into a multi-use facility mainly dedicated to supporting offshore wind farms. The towers have long been considered an eyesore, with many nearby residents holding demolition parties today. And check this out. Sightseers got a spectacular eyeful during a whale watching excursion. This video was captured this week by the San Diego Whale Watch Company. The enormous mammal, about the size of a school bus, showed off with a couple leaps in the air and at one point appears to wave at the crowd with its fin. All right, it was close, but not good enough for the Whitecaps today. Yeah, they just are having trouble getting uh, traction. There's good yeah. parts to games, but they've, they've, they've maybe put together one great game all year, the one against LAFC. Other than that, still looking to find the formula. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, well, sports teams always talk about the process, but sooner or later you need some results. Whitecaps seem to be getting better with each game under new coach Mark DeSantos, but through eight games or a quarter of the season, the Whitecaps are 22nd out of 24 teams in the MLS. Today, a chance to move up the standings at home against Philadelphia. Whitecaps, just two goals in their last five matches, need to find more offense, obviously. Caps get a chance in the 14th minute, but Jordy Reyna hammers it off the post. Reyna with a chance again. Maybe should have passed off here, decides to shoot, uh, but a solid save by 20-year-old goalkeeper, Matt Freeze to keep it nil-nil, but in the 41st, Ali Adnan with the corner service and the Canadian Daniil Henry heads it in for his second of the season. 1-0 Whitecaps at the half and they deserve that. They were the better team, but in the second half, Adnan with the weak ball back. It's a terrible giveaway and Casper Shabilko with the quality finish past Max Crepeau, so it's 1-1. All that hard work undone, and the Whitecaps may be reeling. Give up another great chance to Shabilko, but Crepeau with an aggressive save keeps the match 1-1. The Caps did have chances down the stretch, but their finish continues to be far below average as Ardaiz swings and misses. It ends 1-1. The Whitecaps record now one win, five losses, three draws through nine matches. Meanwhile, Portland on the road in Toronto. Timbers playing their first 12 matches this year on the road with their stadium undergoing extensive renovations. TFC strike first. Jonathan Osorio poking in a loose ball from the corner makes it 1-0. But Portland answer just two minutes later. Bill Tuiloma hammering in the volley off the corner kick. Ties it up 1-1. And then in the 70th, Jeremy Ababasi with the spectacular flying header gives Portland the win. They've now won two straight after starting 0-5-1. Timbers now ahead of the Whitecaps in the West. <coughs> Excuse me. Harry Kane still on the sidelines for Tottenham. Spurs yet to lose in their new White Hart Lane Stadium, but that streak came to an end. Mark 
Arnautovic, fantastic finish, 1-0 the final. West Ham hands Spurs their first loss in their new park. So they're just three points up on fourth place Chelsea. Chelsea plays Man United tomorrow. NHL playoffs, game two, Stars and Blues. St. Louis won the opener. First period, Stars strike first, though. Finnish rookie Rupi Hintz converts the Matt Zuccarello setup, 1-0 Stars. And then another Finnish rookie makes it 2-0. How good is 19-year-old Miro Heiskin and not named a Calder finalist today? Elias Pettersson of the Canucks, Jordan Binnington of the Blues, and the Sabres' Rasmus Dahlin are on the ballot. But Heiskanen, already a key member of the Stars' blue line. That's a great goal. Blues got one back, but the Stars answered 26 seconds later. Matthias Janmark makes it 3-1. The Stars' Scandinavians coming up large in the, this afternoon. Early in the third, Blues cut the lead to one. Jaden Schwartz with the nifty little redirect in front. They reviewed this, a long review for goalie interference, but the goal stood, so it's 3-2. Blues pushed for the equalizer, but it's Rupi Hints from his knees scoring the 120-footer into the empty net. Stars even up the series at one apiece, 4-2 the final today in St. Louis. On the ice right now, John Tortorella and the Blue Jackets looking to even up their series with the Bruins. They lost game one in overtime. First period, Matt Grizzlick with the slapper off the glove of the normally dependable Sergei Bobrovsky, 1-0 Boston. Second period, Jackets on the power play and Artemi Panarin with a blast past Tuka Rast. That made it 1-1. The Bruins, though, have retaken the lead in the second period. World under 18 semi-finals from Sweden, Canada. Perfect record coming in, but had to battle the host Swedes. Down 1-0 in the first, but Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers ties it up for Canada, jamming it in from the side of the net. In the second, Victoria Grizzlies captain Alex Newhook. Nice play in tight. Off the skate to the stick and in, 2-1 Canada. Third period trailing 3-2, but it's Connor Zeri with his second of the game on the wraparound. Canada keeps battling. They're tied 3-3, but the Swedes break their hearts late. Two and a half to play. Albin Groiva with a ripper short side. 4-3 Sweden wins. The U.S. lost their semi in a shootout to Russia. So Canada and U.S. will play for bronze. Russia, Sweden for gold. Welcome back. For the first time since 2007, the Vancouver Giants are on their way to the Western Hockey League Championship Series. Giants have what all great hockey playoff teams have, depth, speed, talent, skill, great goaltending. They have no weaknesses, and that's why they dispatched a very dangerous Spokane team in five games. Giants, 11 of their 14 goals in this series over the first four games in the third period or overtime. But a great start in Game 5. Bowen Byram, what a rush, shorthanded, snaps it in. That's why he's going to be uh, likely a top five pick in this draft in June. one nothing Giants. Then on the power play, Dylan Plouffe with the shot. Goes in off the body of Justin Surtiff. So it's Surtiff's goal. 2 nothing after one. The Giants had a lot of chances to put this away, but they hit three goal posts, including this one by Davis Kosh, as he had the pickoff here. But... It was still 2-0 after two Giants in control. Now, the Chiefs finally got one in the third, but the Giants got it back 21 seconds later from Braden Watts, and they hang on for a 3-2 win to take the series in five. They'll meet either Prince Albert or Edmonton in the Western League final beginning next Friday. It's, uh, it's a special feeling to uh, be the Western Conference champions. You know, uh, A lot of guys don't get this opportunity in their career, and I've been going at it for five years, and this is my first uh, chance going to the finals. So it's a special feeling, and uh, so we enjoyed it there uh, tonight, and then we'll be focused here uh, for next weekend, start the finals. I guess as far as what I'm feeling right now, I'm just so proud of 
of what these guys have accomplished and where we started and where we finished. I mean, our, our shirts say we, we start on known, finish unforgettable. All right, let's look back at Game 1 of the Doyle Cup featuring the BCHL champs from Prince George and the Alberta champs from Brooks. Bandits hosting the Nationals, so both teams already in. Ben Poisson, nothing fishy about that play. 1-0 PG, and then Max Coyle with the insurance. 2-0 Prince George wins. They've won 13 straight playoff games. Game 2 tonight in Alberta. Kyle Lowry and the Raptors. Game 1 at home to the 76ers to kick off the second round of the NBA playoffs. First quarter. Lowry to Pascal Siakam, who throws down on the alley-oop, 11-7 Toronto. Kawhi Leonard coming to play. He will jam it home here off the feed from Lowry. Six of his first seven, 13 points in the first eight minutes of the game. And then it's Lowry, who's actually from Philadelphia, going strong, muscles that one up, gets it to go, a three-point play. 28-15, Raptors up 13 early, and then more from Kawhi. How do you stop this? Kawhi and Siakam each with 17 in the first. Raps led 39-31 after one. Second quarter, Leonard keeps it going. An outrageous spin move to beat Jimmy Butler. Kawhi 27 in the first half. 61-52 Toronto at the break. And in the third, more from Kyle Lowry. Takes it strong, lays it in. Raptors by 14. And then Leonard doing it at the defensive end as well. Monster block here. Wow, got way up there. That leads to the Pascal Siakam jam. Leonard with 45 points right now. Siakam 29. Drake is loving it as the Raptors leave it 107-88 very late in the fourth. He's going to win game one. MLB game two at number two for Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Had one hit in his debut last night. Today up with the bases loaded in the first. Would he hit a grand slam for his first major league homer? How about getting called out on strikes? He did get an infield hit later in the game. Randall Gritchuk led the Jays at the plate today. Three for five, two RBIs, including this run-scoring double as the Blue Jays. They've never lost with Vladdy Jr. in the lineup. They're now 2-0, 7-1, the final today against the Oakland A's. And the PGA Tour stop is in New Orleans for the Zurich Classic. It's a team event. John Rahm and his partner Ryan Palmer tied for the lead through three rounds at 23 under thanks to this Rahm birdie putt. Adam Hadwin and his partner Jim Noss are 16th, six off the lead. Nick Taylor and his partner Martin Laird are 21st at 16 under. A special birthday girl hogged all the attention in Surrey this afternoon. Rosie, the emotional therapy pig, dressed for success as she marks her first birthday with cake at her workplace, the Chorney Alzheimer's Center. <laughs> the 50-pound micro pig bonds with the residents at the care facility, so Fraser Health decided to throw her a party. Carrie Netherton brought Rosie in as a piglet, and her presence grew on the residential care residence. She provides pet therapy, including comfort, reducing anxiety, encouraging communication, and lowering feelings of isolation and alienation. The center is the only residential care home in Canada using a micro pig for therapy. Rosie can stay here. She's quite independent. She doesn't need, so on that level, she gets to live at the facility, which I think is an amazing thing. So she's here in the morning when the staff get here and she basically lives with the residents. Uh, she eats grain, a strict grain diet and lots and lots of vegetables. We keep her on a very strict diet to make sure that we maintain the appropriate weight for her. When she's not fed, she'll tell you. 
and to take her out and to take her for walks. And so it's become part of the daily routine around here. Oh, so cute. She you wasn't sure cute, about man. that cake at first, though. No, yeah. no. But she loved her dress. Yes. yes. Nice party dress. <laughs> <laughs> That's the news hour. Thanks for watching. See you at 11.